Coast2Coast.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. We are back here with episode 29. I am your host, Kyle Creasy. Today we have a special guest here joining us. We do not have our co-host with us today. They couldn't make it, but had to get this thing going. Um, Will Fortson, his name is at Bias Houston on Twitter, uh, was able to connect with him about a week ago. Just shouted him out, and he said he wanted to come on. So really thankful he wanted to come on here. So thanks, Will. So thank you for having me. I was, yeah. I was looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, Will's a big-time Rockets fan uh, in Houston. He's grown his page up to a little over north of 18,000 followers right now. Um, yeah. Like I said, go follow him he's at Bias Houston on Twitter. Um, he's all over Rockets Twitter. He's faces hosts. He's tweeting all the time. If you, if you want to follow Rockets Twitter at all, go give him a follow. But, um, Will, we were kind of talking about it off the pod, but, like, when did all this kind of start on Twitter, and when when did your follower number really kind of go up and your engagement with Rockets Twitter just really shoot up? Uh, so I, I, so I, I know we talked off camera, but uh, I got started um, – I started taking it seriously as in, like, trying to make this uh, a brand and a platform. Um, in December of 2020, uh, so going on two years in December this year, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just you know, like you said I'm I'm from the city of Houston. Um, our, I've been watching. I, I haven't missed a single Rockets game since the 2016-17 season. Like I've seen every game um, since then. I don't miss games as it is, um, and so I was like, I already you know, I already watch every single game, and <laughs> you know, like I think I can tweet about, it, I can talk about it. Um, and so you know, December 2020, I started taking it a little bit more seriously. I was already watching the game, so as I was watching them, I started just tweeting my thoughts. Um, about the game itself, uh, doing my thoughts about just the, the the NBA in general, and just um, you know the different things that would go on in in the the Houston Rockets world, um, and then maybe around April of 2021 is when I started noticing that like I was making some noise, and then uh, when we started doing this, the post game spaces to start the the next season, so that was in maybe like November or October of 2022. That's when I kind of knew that it was start taking a life of its own, and you know, all these other doors started opening up for me. So, yeah, and and, and here I am now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I don't know. I totally lost my train of thought here. Oh yeah, <laughs> good. like like did you did you like grow up being a Rockets fan, or was that just kind of something that came along? No, no, I've been a Rockets fan my whole life. Uh, like I said, I I grew up. Since you know, because when you're you're a kid, I I don't really care about sports. But since I was old enough to like understand what basketball, football, baseball, like I've been um, a Houston sports fan my whole life. Um, I, I admittedly wasn't as like invested in Houston sports until I got to like uh, maybe like eighth grade. That's when I started like was like diehard Houston fan. Up until then, I was kind of just I liked the Rockets. I go to their games all the time. Um, but I wasn't like a diehard fan. I was probably more into like video games at that point in time than anything. So, but yeah, when I was like in eighth grade, that's when I, when it kind of shifted for me and I was more just like, like I said, I, I haven't missed a game uh, since the 2016, 17 season. I've watched every game. Um, I eat, sleep, breathe, anything Rockets basketball. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I totally relatable from a Clippers point of view. So I, I get it, man. Um, so obviously with a big time Rockets fan on, we're going to be talking all things Rockets today. Going to be going over the roster a little bit, uh, kind of the, the front office side of things and the coach and some of their expectations for this year. And even kind of going forward with this team having what seems to be a good core. Um, 
So I, th- I think the first thing I was going to talk about Jalen Green first, but I think we have to talk about it now since he got extended today is Kevin Porter Jr. Um, really didn't know if an extension was going to get worked out here. Uh, even thought a few months back that it was probably unlikely just to me that it would be worked out. I thought this was going to be kind of like a prove it year. Like, you know, we want to see it just at least a little bit better before we kind of work out a contract with you. Um, but clearly they saw something that they liked and also were able to make it a very team friendly deal that really works out for them. And I don't know. I mean, from Kevin Ford Jr. side of things, looking at it, I kind of thought it just shocked me that he kind of agreed to this just because I thought that he might think that he was deserving of some guaranteed money, but whatever Raphael Stone said to him or whatever, it clearly worked. And they worked out a four year, $82.5 million deal. Um, and it's only guaranteed through year one and not even the full thing is guaranteed for the first year. So what were your initial thoughts on this extension? Yeah, I, I was, I was with you. I didn't, I think I might've even like said when the off season started that I didn't think they were going to extend KPJ this off season, just because of, of I, I believe in KPJ a lot, but you know, he had the the behavioral issues that got him traded to Houston in the first place. Um, and then his last season with us, it started really bad. It ended really well, but it started kind of like he was having a lot of turnovers. He wasn't as efficient as he wanted to. And he picked up towards the end of the season. And so I was imagining that like, you know, combination between the reason he's even in Houston in the first place. And then between uh, his kind of up and down year last year, I was under the assumption that maybe they were going to uh, give him, like you said, a prove it year this year to like prove that you deserve this contract. And, you know, you can, I, I think he probably could have got more than what he ended up getting if he did that. Um, but then there was a report that came out, I think, in like late July that said they were working towards getting an extension done before the season started. And that, I mean, one, it, it, it made my opinion wrong. I thought they were not going to resign them, but they, it turns out they were they were looking to actively do so. Um, and yeah, I, I was always in the, the ballpark of anywhere between 15 to $20 million a year is how much I was I would be willing to give KPJ right now very comfortably, simply because I think that that's, I mean, that's that's role player money to me. Um, that's, that's role player money. And I think he's he's going to very quickly outplay that contract. Um, and so, you know, being able to lock up somebody who who we we value that much as, as much potential as he has on that such a team friendly deal. Um, I had been waiting for this like that. That's what I had been waiting for. I I, I was kind of uh, concerned it wasn't going to happen today being the deadline to get it done. Um, and so I, I wasn't I would last night when it when I didn't see the notification come across my phone, I was like, all right, well, Maybe it's not. Maybe they couldn't. The two sides couldn't reach an agreement. But this morning they did, and I, like I said, I, I, I have been waiting for this for a while now. So I'm, I'm super duper excited they were finally able to get it done. And as soon as I got the notification, I was like, "What more perfect timing?" Considering I've literally got Will coming on today to talk about the yeah. rock. <laughs> but such a, like a team friendly deal because, like you said, it's really not that much money. I think to some people you might look at it and you might be like, 80 million dollars." But like when you put into perspective, like what some other guys are getting paid, it's not crazy. That's not like star money at all or anything. And considering the guarantee part of it and when it's non-guaranteed, very easily tradable if they ever did want to move off of him. Um, even if like he's even if he's viewed as like a future six man type thing, that's not bad money still. So it's a great deal. I don't think that there's a lose situation in here for the Rockets after what they did today. Yeah, I mean, like you said that the the contract is like the textbook definition of team friendly. When when the uh, when Woj first tweeted it, it just said the Rockets uh, signed Kevin Porter Jr. to I think it's eighty four point five. I think that's the that's the number. I think it's eighty four point five. Okay, okay, I mean, it's somewhere in, somewhere in that ballpark, right? Yeah. Um, and and so it didn't say like the the incentives and like the the different um 
targets that he had to hit to like get into that money completely. And it like it just started as the day kind of progressed. It slowly more and more came out that like, okay, the first year is only the only one that's guaranteed. It's just 15 million that first year. Um, it's not even, it's not even like uh, you know, like a lot of contracts are usually like you you get the bonus if you make an all-star team or if you make an all-NBA team or if you play a certain amount of games. No, like it's just it's just date based. So like we we figured out that like just being able to make it to um a target date each year, like that, that guarantees his money for that season. So it's just like you said, it's just the definition of a team friendly uh, contract. If if KPJ becomes the player that I think he can be, and I think what the Rockets are imagining he can be, well then yeah, he's worth the full 80, what is it you said, 82 million? 82 yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, 82 and a half. So like he's worth the full 82 and a half million. Um if he's not, if he has another flare, if he has an issue or, you know, we, we, we look down the line and we're like, yeah, this guy isn't really worth that much. I mean, probably guaranteeing his money for a year. So like, if, if it doesn't work out, we, like you said, it's, it's, it's a tradable contract. We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about um, paying somebody who we're looking to get off of our roster um, a lot of money. And like, it's, it, it becomes kind of like a the situation we were in with John Wall this off season where it's like, we're paying somebody a whole lot of money. Um, and that contract's not really movable. And we, we were fortunate that we were like in a rebuild. So like we were able to to just eat that contract, but we're trying to be competitive a lot sooner than later, I, I guess, maybe like the next two to three years. And, you know, having to to have, what is it, 20 million a year just, just sitting on your bench because you can't play him, like that would have been really tough. So the fact that we were able to protect themselves, uh, I, I love it. Um, and I love that KPJ was able to get taken care of as well. I mean, if he if he does things that we all think he can do, I mean, that, that money's his, so. Yeah. I, I was I was really happy with this contract. Yeah, I, I bet. And kind of to branch off some of that, what you were talking about towards the end, this is the last year where the Rockets are on like a lot of dead money. And we'll kind of get into this later in the pod. But KPJ's new extension even coincides with what their future plans might be in terms of cap space. So, you know, even if things don't work out with KPJ, they're still in a situation where even a month ago, the future outlook for the Rockets was a ton of picks and a ton of cap space. That's still there, even with the extension that they just made today. So, and I mean, even if they do decide to keep KPJ, there's still a lot of cap space to work with there because the deal's not that crazy. But we'll get into some of that here later. Um, first, I just want to mention, uh, in case you're listening, we're recording this on Monday, the day before the season starts. So kind of kind of Rockets preview. So if you're listening to this after maybe they play their first game or something. But um Next guy I want to talk about, you got his jersey behind your head, is Jalen Green, um, selected second in the 2021 draft. Rockets fans in particular are definitely higher on this guy than most. That's as expected, but I do think he gets a little underrated at times. Um, why do you think he maybe gets underrated compared to some of the other guys from that class, like the Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Kate Cunningham? He already had the a, a weird narrative surrounding him when he came into the league. People kind of saw him as like, this inefficient shot chucker, you know, a lot of a lot of shooting guards coming into the NBA kind of get better. It's like Devin Booker kind of got one, Zach Levine kind of got one. They they look at these guys as like stat patterns on bad teams, and so I, I think he already had a bad rep as far as like that. And then there was the whole uh, drama he had with Detroit uh, before his rookie season started, where he was you know he said that he didn't want to go there. He was he wanted to you know go, go number two or whatever. Um, and so you know I think between those those things and like the, the the reputation he had kind of coming into the league and then you factor in that his rookie season did kind of start off kind of rocky um I mean like I took like KPJ all, all all these guys struggled that for that first like third of the season and Jalen was was no exception to that he he wasn't uh as involved in the offense as you would want and you know when he was he wasn't um he wasn't able to produce at the level we kind of thought he was and so I think 
a lot of NBA media and just casual NBA fans. I mean, we're we're the the worst team in the NBA for the last two years, so uh, we're not that entertaining to watch unless you're a Rockets fan or a fan of like just the NBA in general, and you just watch every game anyways. Um, and so when the only thing that you do see is when the media is saying, oh, Jalen had a bad game tonight, or, you know, Jalen's this 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 stat patter, he's this shot chucker, and you're not actually watching the game, well, I, I understand why you would you would come to the, the opinion that, um, you know, he's just he's just leaps and bounds uh, below, like, Scotty Barnes and Kay Cunningham and stuff like that. When and I, I think as someone who who watches, I watch a lot of Detroit, I watch a lot of Toronto, I watched, obviously I watched every single uh, Raptors game. Um, those guys definitely have like a better rookie season than Jalen, but I don't think they're like leaps and bounds better than him. I, I think Jalen's right there with all those guys. And we, we kind of saw that this year, um, you know, once to end the season last year when he finally, finally did have the green light to be the number one option. And then, you know, coming into this year with preseason, he's, I mean, he's, he's looking amazing. He's looking like a superstar right now. And I, I think that this is the year that we're going to see, you know, when the season ends, he is going to be in that conversation, if not higher than a lot of those guys um, who were in his draft class. So, so most definitely. Yeah, his post All-Star break was really strong, and he, he scored at a very more efficient clip from that point forward and even had some higher scoring outputs as well. Um, I think something's to be said about, too, and you were kind of hinting at it, was like, although I'm very high on the other rookies that we mentioned, I'm not saying I would take one over the other. It does help whenever you're drafted into a situation where you're not the first option or even the second option. and you know, I'm kind of more referring to the Mobley and Scotty Barnes here yeah. as opposed to Cade. I mean, Cade's obviously – but Cade was more of a second option last year. You know, Jeremy Grant led that team in scoring. Um, and then Scotty and Mobley obviously had some guys to play around. Um, you know, they all had amazing years. But it's just different whenever you are the guy that is the number one, basically. I mean, you do have the ball in your hands more. And just to be completely honest, just didn't have the pieces that the other guys had around them to try to maybe make some plays or even have – like, I feel like the narrative on Jalen Green probably is that he's not the greatest defender, but also it's like, how do you view him as more of an off-ball defender if he's playing on the Raptors? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's that type of thing where, like, way too early to just completely write him off compared to the other guys. So totally agree with you there. Um, just a quick question, man. Do you think that this is a franchise cornerstone that you can really and truly build around? Yeah, most definitely. I, I think that – I think that Jalen Green doesn't have a ceiling um, as far as like the type of player that he can be. Uh, the biggest thing I think that, that attracted the Rockets to him when we drafted him over like Evan Mobley was um, the discussions about his work ethic. We, we, that's like one of the things that was like on his scouting report. Like a lot of guys, you know, have good shooter, um, good defender, good playmaker. He had good like hard worker on his scouting report. Um, and somebody who like we've seen, he lives in the gym. He's he's always there. He's always putting up shots on it, trying to get better. Um, and so I, I think, you know, when you look at his skill set, you know, offensively, what can't Jalen Green one day do, right? We, he's, yeah. he's one of the best athletes in the entire world. Um, he can shoot off the dribble, um, off catches. Um, he can pull the mid-range, he has fadeaways. He obviously can dunk over you, and he's he's slithery enough and cracking up around the rim where he can finish um, throwing around contact. Like, I, I think offensively he can do anything that he wants to do. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that, He's somebody who lives in the gym. I mean, I, I think Jalen Green can be as good at basketball as he wants to be. Um, and then I think it's just on the Rockets to continue to surround him with talent that can help elevate him and elevate the team. And I, I think so far, you know, we, we're, we've only been rebuilding for this going on our second season of rebuilding. But I, I think so far through about a year and a half or so that we, we've done that. I, I like the, the additions that we've made and kind of helps surrounding Jalen. And it's just, you know, it's going to be 
uh, still a process of just adding more talent onto this roster, but I think we're in a good spot right now. Yeah, and just real quick, just last tidbit on Jalen Green. I'm not saying that he plays like this guy at all, but a trajectory that I'm somewhat expecting this season is can't forget that a few years ago, Trey Young had a really slow start to his rookie year, really kind of really kind of blew up towards the end of the year. Their team was going nowhere. And the very next season, I mean, he lit it up from the jump and they showed improvement as a team. So that's kind of a guy that I think we could maybe see some similarities to in terms of he just had so much asked of him as soon as he got into the league. But he started to figure it out. He looked good at the end of his first year. And you could maybe see that same similar trajectory with Jalen Green this year. So I, I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, you know, you spoke of adding some talent around Jalen and this team. Two guys in particular that I think are very worth noting were uh, their two first-round picks this year. And um, Jabari Smith, uh, third out of Auburn, and Tari Easton, 17th out of LSU. Um, what do you make of these two so far? Man, those those two guys are insanely talented from like the defensive perspective. Uh, I, I think that's one of the the things that this team like really need. I'm, I'm not a guy who likes to draft for for need or fate over BPA, but I mean we kind of that's kind of the hand we were dealt uh, when Jabari fell to us at three. But um, but he like he fixes a lot of the problems and the holes we had last year defensively. We didn't really have uh, that great of a POA defender. Um, and Jabari, I mean, he's 6'10", 6'11". I think he's a 7'2 wingspan, which is which is insane. And, I mean, I, I, uh, he's only played one preseason game for us, but I, I did go to that that one. The, we played the Spurs. And the way, like, when he stretches his arms out, the, the amount of ground he just takes, or how much space he just takes up just by putting his arms out, um, it's insane. So, um, I mean, we all know what he brings from, like, the offensive perspective as far as, like, the floor spacing goes. But, like, I think the biggest thing that I've always been impressed with him is this is versatility um, and energy and effort on defense. I mean, he's someone who takes pride in that. And I, I think that, you know, Tari's is kind of cut from that same cloth of, of guys who make their bread and butter on the defensive end and and, and just being uh, engaged and active at all times on that end of the floor. Um, and I, like I said, I think that's something that we we missed last season or that ain't just last season. I, I would have like killed for these guys when James Harden was still here. Like yeah. if imagine that Chris Paul, James Harden team with, a six. I mean, I, I I don't want to use this comparison to say that's who Jabari Smith is. I think he's me a lot more than this. But like, PJ Tucker was six five, and he's somebody who was able to lock up multiple positions yeah. and shoot threes in the corner. Imagine six eleven guy who can do that. And like, that's his floor. Is somebody who can hit the corner three at six eleven and, and guard multiple positions. And I think he's a better shooter than PJ at that. So like, imagine like better PJ Tucker <laughs> or better Trevor Ariza. Like that, that's the kind of guy that we. We add it to our roster. So, no, I, I, like you said, I, I believe a lot in those two guys. Um, I think they're going to definitely help change the culture around here, and they're going to there be guys who are going to help. They're going to win us some basketball games this year. There's going to be a game where we where we win, and it's going to be because of the fact that Jabari and Tarisa were holding it down defensively. I mean, you, when you pair that up with Jalen Green, with somebody who can who can bring you home offensively, I think it's a it's a really nice fit. Yeah, I agree. I think you could totally have some wins, kind of like the Thunder did last year, until they really sold in on tanking of like yeah. You might play a good team one night and your young talent is just so advanced surprise somebody. To others there to where they might just all be clicking on the same night and it's like whoa like they just i don't know beat the bucks tonight or something like just a team like that like totally have enough young pieces at this point that all have some really high ceilings to where if it is clicking one night yeah you could have some wins like the thunder did last year um i i kind of agree with you 
Jabari to me, I think his his absolute floor is just like a, a worse Mikel Bridges, but that's not even like saying that's an, that's anything bad. Like that's a really good player. Yeah, that's a great player. And Tari Eastman, you know, I don't really know like what I would compare him to just yet, but he has a really good knack for the ball. Just all sense of rebounding, offensive rebounding in particular. Um, and like you said, he's pretty good defensively just from what we've seen to this point. Um, I am really excited though. One thing I just want to ask though is saw something the other day um where Silas doesn't necessarily have Eason in his rotation yet. Obviously, I expect that to change pretty quickly, but what are your just thoughts on that, hearing it immediately? I think that that, um, that report was – it was phrased wrong. I, I, I oh, think okay. that the – yeah, I, I think that the the way that it was what, – what they were saying was, is everybody on this team is going to have an opportunity to get minutes, which I, I guess I kind of like um, – Tari Eason, I think, initially was not supposed to be a part of the rotation um, when we drafted him. I think I think that there was some some guys at his position we we're going to have ahead of him. But I mean, through what we've seen through summer league and preseason, there, there's no way that they don't yeah. play this guy. Yeah. Like he's he's one of uh, unironically he's one of probably the seven best players on our team right now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there's no way he's not in the rotation to start this season. Um. Heck of a preseason from him. Yeah. I, mean, I know it's preseason, but still, I mean. It's not like you can just totally take it lightly, especially whenever you're evaluating a prospect like this. Um, but I, I totally get it in terms of the reporting because as a Clipper fan, I mean, we're waiting on who our starting point guard is going to be. I and, thought that was Reggie Jackson. I thought they well, asked Reggie. That's the thing. Now Ty Luke okay. comes out and tells Tomer, one of our good media guys, that he's not made the decision yet. <laughs> so I do think it's probably going to be Reggie just because, you know, you already know from prior – stuff that Reggie's going to play well with Paul George and Marcus Morris specifically. And obviously Paul George is starting and he's already named Marcus Morris as a starter. Um, whereas you can have wall giving more rim pressure with a lot of the shooters off the bench, but we'll see. I think, I think as the season goes on, there's a legit shot for both guys to be the starter, but yeah, random tidbit there. We're talking Rockets, right? Interesting. <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't know that. So no, yeah. that, was, that was, I didn't know. Um, next thing I want to mention, I think he's a really intriguing dude here is Alfred Chingun. Um, I like watching him a lot, even though he does have some flaws here and there. I think he's fun to watch. Um, wh- where are we at right now? I know, I know where you lean, but I mean, just Rockets, Rockets fans in general. What, what's the deal? Why are we, why are Rockets fans debating if he should start or not? Talk me through it. Uh, it's because more than I think anybody on this team who has expectations on them, right? Like, so there's guys who don't really have that many expectations, like Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garou, but of the guys who have legit expectations i think he's probably the most flawed prospect especially for his position um you look at like what a what a five on a championship contending team usually looks like it doesn't usually look a lot like alperin chingun it usually looks more of like the the robert williams the clint capellas you know just like the guys who are good rim protectors and they run the, they run the court they catch lobs they dunk um they don't really you know we don't see too many guys who um, make their bread and butter like on ball, facilitating out of the post at the top of the key, stuff like that. Um, and then I, I, um, I don't want to like chop on Mike because I, I like Shingo, I like his game, but I, I think it's fair to say at this point in time, he's not a good defender. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think he's a neutral. I'd say he's probably a bad defender um, at this, at this stage of his career. But I mean, he, he's still just 20, he just turned 20 like a couple of months ago. Yeah, so he's, he's super young. He's, he's really young. Um, and uh, I watched a lot of Eurobasket because uh, he was playing and, yeah. It's not defense isn't really stressed the same way over there as it is over here. 
Um, so I, I also get the vibe that he has he didn't grow up playing defense at the same level as expected at the, at the NBA level. Um, but yeah, like when you factor in the fact that he's not really he's I'd say he's a bad defender. Um, he's not really that prototypical like guy who's gonna protect the paint, catch lobs, run the run the floor. Um it, it's it's kind of hard for some people to kind of envision him as this starting center moving forward, which I I, I think the criticism uh, criticism of that part of this game is fair. Um, I'm just of the opinion that like even if that is valid, there's not a better option on this team anyways than Alperin Shingun. So I would still give him the start. Um, I I tend to kind of sway uh, fall like in between the two sides of like I get the the uh, the criticism of of his game and like I should be true like if if I was designing a championship winning team, my center would not look like Alperin Shingun. But I still think that, like, he's insanely talented. Um, he has a lot of potential. And one thing that you can't deny is that he does make, like, our players better. And, like, Jalen Green specifically someone who is a beneficiary of, like, Shingun's playmaking. But then, like, something as simple as, like, Shingun sets really good screens. And Jalen Green benefits from that. So, like, I, I, I guess I kind of lean in the middle of that. I, I, for I decide, this is just, like, this, this is your season. Like, this is the year where – you should. I mean, hopefully he's going to be starting. I, I don't think that he's not going to be, but I think he's I mean, going to start. Yeah, I, I think he's going to start. But like, this is your season to start and to to prove, you know, or show us what what you bring to the table, and that you can, you know, you can kind of shore up some of those concerns, or or if not, like maybe maybe Shingun just becomes such an offensive juggernaut that I don't care how bad of a defense a defender he is. <laughs> like, you know, so so like I I just have to see it from him. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't have enough like data for me to like lean one way or the other just yet. It's more just like is to show me. I get it. Yeah. Um, I totally get what you're saying in terms of not the prototypical big. Um, I Like you said, he does excel in a lot of other areas, though. I guess my thing, well, before I get to this, do you think part of why there might be some pressure on him is that you guys kind of went away from Christian Wood this offseason? Not, uh, I mean, not that Christian Wood was ever going to be a building block with this team. I think, there was, I think that was kind of obvious even early last season. But, like, just the fact that, like, Hey, we traded this guy away. Like, you're the starter now. We need more out of you. Uh, does he feel pressure? I don't know. I mean, I know that the fan base didn't really expect too much out of Christian Wood. So, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. That's an interesting question. Does he feel the pressure? Um, I, I feel like maybe more than like just the starter. I think he feels the pressure of like finding a way to mesh with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jay Green, who seem to be like our. Uh, one or two options, Jalen being the one, KPJ being the two, like this season, um, and just finding that balance between the guards being on ball and doing what they need, what they do best, and then finding ways to like incorporate Shingun into that, and then the guards feeding off of that. I, I think that like there'll be pressure on him to find that balance. Well, not even just on him, but just on on KPJ and Jalen, but a little bit more on Shingun to find that balance and uh, find a way to like fit in with those guys. Um, and so, like, I guess that kind of comes with being the starter, but I don't know if it's like he has like pressure because he is a starter if that makes sense yeah, yeah no i get it i just yeah. want to ask um yeah. but i i think that they're kind of in a another good situation here just for the fact that things go well cool you hit on a draft pick like but if they don't it's just you're set up well you got plenty of assets yeah um, i think also like i i don't think he's going to be bad at all so even if things don't work out the best with like Jalen and kpj I don't see why you couldn't maybe find a decent trade partner for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you tried to touch on something I want to touch on is like, I think a lot of people too look at it in like a black and white kind of way where it's like either Shingun is the starting center or he's off the team. 
And I think that it's there's a median in there where like maybe he's not the center moving forward, but maybe he's just a really good bench piece for us. And like we drafted him with the 16th pick in the draft. Like that's not that's not the draft pick of somebody who like has to be a starter. Like there's a lot of guys who drafted pick 16 who aren't even in, in the league anymore. Um, so like if all Shingun becomes for us is just somebody who you know is one of our core bench pieces, I, I'd I'd be still happy with it. Like I I, I still say that's a it's a W for the front office. Yeah. I- Totally agree. If you're if you're hitting on talent at all, even if it's off the bench outside of the lottery, that's that's a win. So so great point. Um, just want to touch on some of these guys real quick. Not as in depth as the other ones. Obviously, you got other guys like KJ Martin, Jay Sean Tate, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington, and Deshaun Nix. Do any of these guys really stick out to you as future pieces that could maybe really be incorporated with the guys that we've mentioned? If you asked me this question two weeks ago, I would have told you Josh Christopher. Um, I think that he's like, I, I've been using this analogy a lot. Uh, I think he's like the Eric Gordon to Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr.'s Chris Paul and James Harden. Um, but I, I haven't, uh, I don't know, I haven't been too impressed with him in summer league um, and preseason. So um, nah, it's, probably, it's probably still Josh though. Like I, I think he's the guy who has the most potential of the guys that you name. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his game. Um, maybe because I think like Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin are just going to be career role players, which is fine. But like I think they're just career role players. Um, I think Ty Ty Washington maybe could be um, like a Tyus Jones kind of backup point guard one day. Um, as, as in like uh, not as in really in play style, but like as in like status in the NBA. Um, so yeah, but I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd say Josh. Yeah. I- I don't really know what to think of Josh Christopher yet. I mean, I, I can't act like I have a real opinion on him to this point. Yeah. Just, you know, it's kind of like when you guys are in the position that you're in as a team, and I've only seen what I've seen out of him to this point, there, there's no real way to make a super good opinion <laughs> just yet. But I agree that the, the ceiling to an extent is there, like compared to the others. So I, I can see why you may pick him. Um, I, I think Tate is interesting, but I just wonder if he fits the timeline like really long term because he's already much older than the other guys. I think he's 27 yeah. or he's about to be 27 <laughs> real soon. So yeah. Yeah. So that makes it interesting, but he's, a, he's a solid piece in my opinion. Um, I like and, yeah. And then lastly, uh, did not think this guy was still going to be on the team at this point, but Eric Gordon, um, should we expect him to be traded this year? I want to sit here and tell you, yes, if it was up to me, he would be, but, I mean, this guy has, and I love Eric Gordon, by the way. I don't want to come off as somebody I, I who doesn't love Eric Gordon. I think a good vet. I think yeah, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good vet. But that guy has beat the trade deadline allegations like four consecutive years now. Uh, we've been trying to, or we, I wouldn't say we've been trying to, but there's been talks about the merits of trading Eric Gordon since James Harden was still here. And like every every season he's found a way to still be here past the deadline. And so. I, I hope my hope is that we move into a contender, let him go win a championship. We can get like a draft pick out of it. But I, I I've kind of accepted today that he's probably not going to be moved this season. Just just because I, I, it just hasn't happened. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen yet. I think the likely scenario here is either maybe a buyout or something after the deadline or like traded for a second round pick or something. Cause I think the hope was always, maybe we can get a first round pick out of him because he is a still a pretty good like scorer and shooter and a lot of teams need that but i guess just no team to this point has been willing to maybe give up a first round pick for him 
I think what it is, because I, I think in a vacuum, he's worth it. If it was just simply trade Eric Gordon, I mean, tra- trade a first-round pick, get Eric Gordon, I think it would be done. I think in a vacuum, he's definitely worth one. I think the problem is his contract um, is that he's making like t- almost 20 million. I think it's like 19 point something. Or well, like, that's, where I, that's where I think like in the past years, he was still guaranteed some of these later years. And yeah. so maybe like going forward, it was like, since it's only one more year left, if a team thinks that a fit that a 14, 15 point per game guy off the bench that can shoot high thirties or higher from three could like push us over the hump. They might be willing to, but I'd like I said, I think the likely scenarios are what I mentioned earlier. But I do agree that in the that the contract is definitely went into account whenever they're doing that. I would say it's just it's just hard to to match almost twenty million in like players that you are comfortable trading away and then throwing a first round pick. And then also on top of that, the Rockets have set parameters of like we don't want to take on long term salary. We want to yeah. have flexible cap. So like it, it makes it, it's just. It's really difficult. the The perfect storm has to be, you have to have some players that total up to twenty million in salary who are expiring, and then be comfortable also throwing in the first round pick to get Eric Gordon. So, like, I, I understand it's it's a little tough to move them. Yeah, and that's that's a good point about this long term salary stuff because there's been a clear direction for a while now about what this team wants here in the next off season, two off seasons, even three off seasons in terms of cap space. So they're not going to ruin that. They've obviously Stones made it. Without saying, I don't know if he's ever really touched on it in a press conference or anything, but even without saying it, it's been pretty clear that he's setting himself up for that future. So totally doesn't want long-term money. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of it on the roster. Um, I mean, I know we didn't cover everybody, but that's the guys that I wanted to cover. Is there anybody that you would you think is worth a shout-out or anything that we didn't cover? Uh, shout-out Bobon. He, he's not going <laughs> to play for us this year, but uh, shout-out Bobon. <laughs> Clipper legend Bobon. Um, yeah. Legend to a lot of teams at this point. But yeah, um, you know, next man, I just wanted to ask you, you guys hired Steven Silas a few years ago uh, when he was hired, James Harden and Russell Westbrook were both still appearing on the team. It was kind of crazy how that just had to have been like a shock to Silas. I actually remember his first year, you know, they had, they had uh, Harden, they had Russ and did they get wood before Russ was already gone? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Christian Wood, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden were all teammates at one point. Yeah, okay, so they had those three. Things were looking like, you know, for him to step into his first job, it's looking like a pretty solid group to work with in your first coaching job. And I just remember then Russ was traded, and then the Harden dilemma was going on pretty early. He didn't show up to camp, I don't think. Um, And then – or he showed up late or something like that. Yeah, he was late. Yeah, and then – Man, I just remember even after they traded Harden, I remember Silas just like there were videos and stuff of him just like head in his hands. And I just like felt yeah. bad for him because he thought he was walking into this honestly pretty good job. And it just turned into this disaster, especially what was trying to go on. Um, but what are your thoughts of him to this point? Have you liked what he's done? Obviously, there's not a whole lot to look at considering what your expectations have been. But do you like what he's been able to do with the young four so far? Yeah, I, I do. I know a lot of people aren't that high on Steven Silas, but I, I think, I think he's done a good job at being a coach for the young guys. Um, I, I think that my, I wouldn't say dissatisfaction, but just my questions with him and I, I'm, I'm not like necessarily bought in or bought out on him, but my questions have kind of been with like uh, the certain like rotations that we've had. And I, I kind of question how much of that is up to him and how much of that is like up to stone telling him like, yeah. you got to play this guy. Um, so I, I don't really know the exact 
like with the in between there. Um, but but like I said, I, I think that he's done a good job um, being that that voice of reason and and and, and a voice in the locker room for like uh, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Shingo. Like those guys seem to really like playing for him. They they play hard for him when they do. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this is kind of more than anybody else. This is like especially now that KBH got locked up. I think more than anybody else now, like this is his prove it year to to prove um, that you deserve to be the head coach of this team. You know, next season and. I believe he's expiring this year. So yeah, I mean, but like, I, I'm not, I'm not out on Stephen Silas. Like, before we got on the, uh, the, the shot, I don't know if you saw it, but like a video of him just came out of him. Um, he teared up when he saw uh, when they uh, bought uh, KBJ's extension. So, really? Yeah, he teared up. So I'm, I'm, I like, so I, I, I'm rooting for him. I, I want him to be the coach of the future. Um, but yeah. So I totally agree with you on the part of like Silas not necessarily selling you in or selling you out yet, just because of expectations at this point, but. If I had to like make you kind of pick your brain here and ask you about it, do you think that there's like a ceiling here with him, especially what you've talked about rotations and other things? Or do you think he could be the guy that like stays with this core and is the coach long very long term? I think he could. I mean, he was the the offensive coordinator of that Dallas Mavericks team that uh that was the the best uh, offense in league history. So I, I think he can. Um, like I said, I'm interested to see, like he talked about one thing that he talked about in his post, uh, postseason presser or after season presser, whatever you call it. He said that like, he didn't really get a chance to like really open up his bag with the young guys this year. And he was more just kind of letting them read and react, um, as a coach, which is, I think one thing that we didn't really want to see. Um, and so like I said, this is his season this year to, to show us like, okay, well, like, this is what your back's going to look like. And I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, and I hope this is what the Rockets are going to do, that we're not going to judge him on wins and losses because I don't think we're going to be uh, – I, I have us winning around 24 to 27 games this year. Um, so, like, I, I don't think that we're going to be a team that's going to be, like, making too big of noise. Well, but I, um, I think that that would be kind of a successful season if you were to win. I, I agree. Especially 27 games. I mean, I think if you guys were able to win that, still in good lottery position, I mean – I, I don't see how that's not a successful season. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I, I hope that's what the organization is thinking with it. Um, and so, like I said, just, just for me, it's just going to come down to this season. Do I see better rotations? Do I see uh, guys being maximized to their strengths and, like, their weaknesses kind of being covered up? Uh, one of the things that I've – I like, my biggest gripe with Stephen Sauce as a coach is that we have not seen Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. staggered. And I'm not saying that I don't want them to play together. I do. I, I think they play really good off of each other. But when we have our bench tuned in, like, all due respect to our bench, but, like, we don't have, you know, the same level of, like, playmakers or offensive uh, able players on our bench. And it, it's noticeable. We take it with, like, it take, it's, it, there's a big gap in, like, offensive productivity when the starters leave. And I think that that can be mitigated a little bit if we had one of our best two players on our team. Like, I think that's one of the, one of the, the best parts about having two dynamic six eight guards is that they can both run your offense at any given point in time. So I, I would want to see him, you know, put, you know, one of Jalen and KPJ, what let them kind of run with the bench units in some some sense of the game, um, while, while the other one rests and they kind of just trade off when while, so that them can get some rest. And so just kind of like so we don't have our bench unit fall off. And I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. Um maybe they find another way to kind of help mitigate stuff like that. But like that's one of the I guess one of my biggest gripes with with, with Silas and the coaching staff so far. Um, but like I said, I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing what he is going to do this season. Um, this is to me his prove it year um, to show us that he deserves to be the coach moving forward. I'm I'm hopeful and and I wouldn't say I'm confident, but uh, I'm 
I'm positive that he will. Um, and yeah, I, I, I said I, I want him to be like. I mean, that video of him crying, uh, <laughs> it moved me. So I, I hope that he, I hope he want, he's the coach moving forward. Yeah, um, totally with you on staggering. I'm a big fan of staggering too, especially like perimeter centric guys, only because there is an element of like, like you were mentioning, um, being able to like help those bench units. But I'm a big fan of staggering for the simple fact of, especially like me being a Clipper fan and seeing whenever Kawhi and Paul George are staggered, there's just something about seeing both of those guys like get going on their own. And then you're able to late game, see them both kind of coincide together as the defense is like, whoa, like this guy's been getting going on us this game, but so is this one. So like, where do we really go as far yeah. as one has the ball? Who do we, you know, anchor towards more? And so I'm totally with that. I think it would help the two of them get going because last year, it was just from what I watched of I can't act like I can't see her and act like I watched 82 games of Rockets basketball, but just from what I, I don't did, blame you. Yeah, but but just from what I did watch, it now they have seemed a little bit better about it in preseason so far. But it was kind of like a a your turn, my turn, like with those two. And at the staggering helps that in terms of you don't have to just sit there and play like a back and forth game with the two guards. So I I'm totally into what you were talking about there. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. The the I like it when they take turns as in like not necessarily like I go, you go, but more of like feeding off each other. I think that's one of the yeah, they yeah. kind of they've kind of found. I mean it's just it was just preseason, but like through preseason, I saw them play off each other a whole lot more. Um both of them I think are already pretty good off ball players. Um well I think KB's like I, I would consider him actually an elite off ball player. APJ is um, a very underrated off ball player. Yeah, I would I would consider him like very good off ball. And then you know Jalen's playing off ball his whole career. And then I think they're both capable on ball. They've been taking uh some huge playmaking leaps as far as you know on ball uh, creation goes. Um and so yeah I I'm enjoying seeing that dynamic of those two guys like so like they kind of found their pairing their rhythm and, and it's 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 producing. I yeah, and when, when I said that earlier, I just meant like life yeah. felt more clunky in the sense of like kind of forcing your turn, my turn. Whereas what I've yeah. seen preseason so far, it's a lot more smooth. Like there's it it doesn't feel like pre-planned or whatever. They just know how to they know how to better play off of each other at this point. So it seems to this point. We'll see as the regular season. Sure. Um I am excited. I'm glad you brought that up too. I'm excited to see Jalen Green maybe take a leap as like a playmaker this year. So it'll be interesting. Uh and like you said, you know, Silas kind of not using what he said like his whole bag last year maybe he's able to do that if he can get a playmaking leap from like a Jalen green so it'll be interesting um so i agree though there's no there shouldn't be any heavy what sh nobody should lean heavy one way or the other on silas at this point but he's not been bad by any yeah um now but now the guy that hired steven silas um rafael stone who to this point in my opinion especially after today he already was in my opinion but especially after today been a pretty good GM so far for the Rockets. Um, you know, last year he did receive some third place votes in executive of the year voting. Uh, can the fact that some guys felt that confident in him as a team that was kind of rebuilding that should say something alone, in my opinion, as far as a GM, because your executive of the year, the top three, top five are probably always going to be a guy that made a move in that past year that led towards a team being higher in the standings and. To other to, to national media members, it was like they're seeing his vision and they're like, he deserves some respect last year. So, you know, some stuff that I wanted to point out that I think I don't think he's done a lot that's questionable, but stuff I just wanted to 
pick apart and some stuff that I wanted to recognize that I would consider great moves at this point. Some stuff that I think was maybe questionable was when he got involved in all the Harden stuff. Um, do you ever look back and maybe wish that you had like Jared Allen, for instance, now? Uh, do I wish I had him? It would be nice, but I, I, I'm, I'm very like, I, I think that the desire for Jared Allen is retrospect and it's hindsight. I, I think in that moment when that trade was made, I, I like the bigger talking point was actually like the decision to pass on Karis LeVert. It wasn't even Jared Allen. It was yeah. the Rockets passed on Karis LeVert. So I think it would be nice to have, like, I, I think that he, he, if he was here, he would for sure be the center of the future. Like that's 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 the kind of guy we were talking about earlier. Is like the, the prototypical like rim protecting lob threat. He mm-hmm. would definitely feel that role. He's on like a really nice contract at that as well. Yeah. Um, but like in that moment when we made that trade, um, I look at it. He was somebody who would have been coming off of our bench because at that point in time, Christian Wood was there. And I know like it, you know hindsight's twenty twenty nowadays. Like it's Jared Allen's for sure better than Christian Wood. But at that point in time, like Christian Wood was putting up like some insane numbers. Well, but you're um, right too because the whole experiment of Christian Wood at the four wasn't very pretty. So it was a lot of Christian Wood at the five. Yeah, he was the five, and like that was that was when him and James Harden were still. I forgot how many games Richard Harden played in the Rockets uniform that year, but when he was here, when he was like not actively trying to get off the team, like him and Christian Wood were like an insanely was, like they were putting up good. really good numbers. So like at that point in history, Christian Wood was already locked up on a really team friendly contract. Um, he was viewed as the better player, and like Jared Allen was more viewed as like he was a good player, he was a great player, but he was not viewed nowhere near like the awesome level he's at today. So I I understood the decision to not take him on because especially considering he was um he was a free agent soon to be and one thing the rockets have stressed is making sure they maintain their full like cap they, they want to be as flexible and in, in, in free agents they possibly can and so i got no I, I i i think that one's definitely like a little bit of hindsight if like if we could do it again would i want jared down absolutely in the moment no nah, it wasn't that big of a deal yeah if i if i had to play devil's advocate there the only thing i would say is that there were a lot of people, especially inside the Nets, that were very high on Jared Allen, but were just very frustrated that Steve Nash continued to play DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, oh, yeah. <laughs> which even then didn't make sense. But I get what you're saying in terms – he definitely wasn't what he is now. Like, even if you were high on him back then, it's not what it is now in Cleveland. Um, I just had to, you know, pick it apart. I also think – I'm just labeling it as questionable. I'm not labeling no, it. No, no, for sure. No, it was definitely questionable. Because you still ended up with a lot of draft capital out of it. I mean, it's I can't just sit here and be like, oh, you didn't get Jared Allen. I mean, you got a lot of draft capital. Yeah. So it's not like you lost or anything. Just, you know, want to nitpick it. And then we don't even really have to discuss this one that much. I'm sure it gets kind of frustrating if you're a Rockets fan too. But the whole All Depot thing was just weird overall. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about it, you can. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah no, that's I, I'm somebody who thinks that Stone is like a really good GM. Like I, I have been thoroughly impressed um with every move that he's made just about so far. Like, I mean, we talked about the KPJ one today. That that was that's like you couldn't you could not structure that contract any better than he did no. today. Um like you you couldn't. There's there's no better way than what 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 he did um with KPJ today. Um and then like I, I know you're gonna be kind of familiar with this one, but like um you guys traded what did you guys trade for Robert Covington and Norman Powell again? We traded Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, and like a second round pick. Yeah. And do you, I, mean, I know, I know Robert, I mean, Robert Covington is not the same player he is today when he was playing for the Rockets, but like we traded Robert Covington for two first round picks. So like to go from 
getting two first round picks and then like another GM trading him for what you just said. Like, I'd say Stone is a really good GM, yeah. but that is the one. The Oladipo trade is the one trade that he loses me on. That's the only trade that I can't, I myself can't defend. Um, is is I understand the the reason you didn't want Karis Levert for the same reasons of like. Um, when I think he was like 27 at the time, so he really wasn't like a young player. Yeah. Um, um, and he was already on a pretty good, pretty. It wasn't a big contract, but he was already getting paid. Like, so they want they wanted to maintain that cap flexibility. And I think the idea was that Oladipo was an expiring contract, who at that point in time was considered a better player than Karis LeVert. Um, and like the idea was like he was coming off that injury, so like you could kind of help rehabilitate his value, and then like flipping for more draft capital or like maybe another young player at the deadline. And Oladipo came to Houston and really wasn't anything we expected he was going to be. And so, like, yeah, I, I think that was, like, a misstep. Um, even in the moment, like, that's not even, like, a hindsight one. Like, in the moment, I was saying I would have rather just, like, find, I don't know, a 15 to take Oladipo. Like, I would have rather just get – give me give me pure draft capital. Yeah. I don't want Oladipo because I was, like, I I wasn't that, I wasn't that big on him coming off that injury, and I know he was, like, a, a free agent soon to be, and I didn't want to, like, let him walk for nothing. Um, and so you're like, yeah, no, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that decision. And then it did backfire. And we, I mean, we still got positive value out of it. Like, so it wasn't like we like got nothing. We got a pick swap out of it and we got half a season of Kelly Olenek, which, um, <laughs> was, it was like really good for us. So like, that was, that was pretty good. But like, it, obviously it wasn't the, the type of value that you would expect for somebody who was like a year, a year ago up to that point was like an all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, no, I, I agree with you. That's, that's the, that's the one decision in his Going on three, no, this is just gonna be his fourth. No, this will be his third, third season. And um, as as a, as the Rocket General Manager, I think, and going on his third season, that's the one move where I'm like, yeah, no, I wasn't a fan of that move. I guess the one thing that you could maybe say to back him up is that the moment you guys were like trading Harden, I don't think it was just this split decision as soon as you were trading him as oh we're going straight into rebuild. yeah like it wasn't like john wall was there you just acquired christian wood and then through the Harden trade you were acquiring you know you got oladipo you guys had like signed demarcus cousins that offseason you guys liked him and you still had like i mean eric gordon was there and PJ Tucker was still there. yeah pj I forgot pj was still there he was traded at the deadline that year to milwaukee but like still had stuff and i guess maybe the owner wasn't sold on tanking yet and so yeah. he was still trying to make whatever move possible to like compete, but it just didn't work out. Right. And luckily you were able to sell the owner that tanking was the right decision. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and then the last thing that I would bring up only because there seems to be this question on whether or not Shingun is like the future in the future plans, or if he's even a starter this year would be that if I, I think I have this correct, that you guys traded that 2022 protected pick, you got it back. And then you traded 2023, that's one through four protected. So I like, at least from what I've looked up, I'm pretty sure I'm accurate there that your pick is one through four protected. And um, maybe that one's 24. Yeah, 24, not 23. Um, yeah, that would be scary if it wasn't this year, considering. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> no, yeah, 2024. But so, like, maybe that's a thing where maybe if you guys haven't taken the steps that you want and you end up not getting that pick. Uh, because of lottery odds or whatever, that wouldn't be fun. But if Shingun works out, then it doesn't really matter. And you guys are in a step where maybe lottery picks not even the consideration at that point. So. Yeah, I mean, I, that was a uh, that was the trade that was with Russell Westbrook. So that was um, that was when Maury was still here. But but yeah, I mean, okay, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that was when Maury was. We traded those. It was the 
see if I can remember off the top of my head. It was a 2021 top four protected that year. Yeah. Um, obviously, top yeah. four protected in it was two picks and two pick swaps. So it was, I, I believe it was 2024 is also top four protected. Yeah. And then I'm trying to remember what, what other pick swaps going to take it into, I don't know, maybe 2026, 2025. I don't know. But it was, it was two picks and two pick swaps. But yeah, that was in the Russell Westbrook trade. Okay. I mean, and what you, what you said is, is what makes it, it's not as scary because it's not this year. Like I would be very terrified if it was this year. Um, <laughs> it's next year. So we'll have, you know, hopefully another top talent rookie coming in this class. We already had Jalen Hardy, Jabbar. We've already been adding talent, you know, with KPJ, uh, with Tari Eason, with Shingoon. So like we have a legit core that we're, we're still going to be adding. So we have two first round picks this year. You know, maybe we, we get another one. Who knows? Um, but like it does speed up our timeline. We can't afford to like, middle and like maybe we're good maybe we're not next season like no we have to like at least be in the playing tournament um next offseason so it kind of it kind of speeds up the timeline a little bit um but i mean that's that's a problem for for me to think about next year. Oh, yeah yeah <laughs> worry about this year um but i think it's safe to say that you guys rocket fans have to be pretty pleased with what you've yeah, got we're happy. at this point um going into some expectations for this year We've kind of touched on it already, but I mean, you kind of expect a jump from this team, even if it doesn't translate in like wins, even if it's just a few more wins, just on court product to be better. Yeah, no, the the on court product should definitely be better this year. Um, I think one thing that we really struggled with last year, and I, I think it's kind of one of the things that was kind of an indictment on the coaching staff, or maybe it was the the philosophy of the front office. I don't know, but it's an indictment on somebody um, on the Rockets organization that. Last season, it seemed a lot of like there wasn't a hierarchy. It was just whoever had the ball that day and whoever had it rolling, like we were going to play through them. So like some days it was, you know, you want it to be Jalen Green, but a lot of times it wasn't. A lot of times it was Christian Wood. Sometimes it was some days. Some days it wasn't Christian Wood and he still wanted it to be. (laughs) Yeah. So like there was there was a lot of I don't even I don't even hate Christian Wood or anything, but it was funny to watch some games last year. I'm sure you guys had to be frustrated at times. Yeah, they, the fan base was very frustrated with them last year. But I mean, but like that's, that's what I'm saying. Though. Like there was, a, we didn't have like a hierarchy. And I think this year we know like Jalen KPJ, that three spot is probably open for the grabs. But I, I I'm gonna imagine that Jabari gets it. I, really? I imagine it's probably yeah. I, I think it's gonna get it. It's, it's out of him and Shane going for sure. Um, but yeah, like there's there's a there's a clear hierarchy. Like I said, um, one of the problems we had these last couple seasons was like defense and rebounding and. We touched on that earlier, like Jabari Smith and, and Tari Eason are two guys who excel already at playing really good defense and grabbing rebounds. So I think just adding them into that nucleus um, on top of everybody just being better. I mean, we've, we've saw already through just preseason how much better and how much growth we've seen from like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. This, you know, from last season to where they are right now. Um, so when you factor all that in, I, like I said, I don't think we're going to be a good team this year. I think we could be. I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that this team Ride us off 35 wins, but um, I, I don't think we're going to. I think we're going to be, like I said, in that 27, uh, 24 range. Yeah, I, I lean more towards that direction than I do yeah. the 35 one, but I don't think that's like some crazy thought. Yeah. Things were to swing your way. Um, simple question here. Is it safe to say that this is a victor team? Uh, yeah. Um, I look at like the tank situation like is in tears. So I think there's like, there's like, seven. I, okay. so- I think you're yeah, better than like San Antonio and Utah. Yeah. Okay. Like and I, think- I, I think that I think those teams don't 
plan to not be in. Like they oh, want to be the I worst think team in the They are all in. I think those two teams probably have yeah. the worst record. Maybe Indiana kind of falls in there if they do get rid of like Miles Turner and Buddy Heald or something. But I totally expect those two teams to at least be two of the bottom three teams in the entire league. Yeah, and I think that we're a tier above them. So like I I think we're a team that's going to naturally be bad because we're still young and you know we're we still got to learn a lot. There's look that we're playing a bunch of guys who um who are like what 23 and younger like yeah. it's, it's insane 22 and younger um uh so yeah we're gonna be pretty bad but I think that this team doesn't I don't think they they're going into the season with the, the approach of we want Wimby I think they're going if they get Wimby it's going to be because they were just not good enough but I, I think if like if it was up to them they'd be in the playoffs this year um, yeah. if, 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 they, if they got their way so um like I said I just, th- I just think that like we're going to be in the Wimby sweepstakes but it's it's not going to be because it was by design. It's going to be because like the team is still young and still learning. Whereas yeah. like Utah and San Antonio, I think like they're they are designing their team to be in that sweepstakes. That's going to, I mean, <laughs> I think those teams will get to a point early in the year where it's like not even watchable. Yeah, but so yeah. you guys definitely aren't in that category. I totally agree. Um, your first ten aren't the most friendly in the world in terms of schedule. You've got the Hawks. The Grizzlies, the Bucks, you do have the Jazz twice, the Blazers, the Suns, Clippers twice, and the T Wolves. So, like I said, not friendly at all. What's kind of expectations going in very early these first ten? And it doesn't even have to be record. Just yeah, no, I, I think that I think we should beat the brakes off Utah. We play them twice in that stretch. No. Um, um, but other than that, I don't have. I think we're going to surprise one of those contending teams, and that's probably the only like expectation I have but the, I think the good thing about this this uh tough start is we're going to find out very quickly what type of team we are and we don't we don't have to like wait till the middle of the season to figure out like we're going to find out very quickly if this team is a team that's going to be like just straight up in the Wimby sweepstakes or are we going to be a team that like maybe this is a playing team like you, you know you don't know just that I mean like, so I don't think it's if I was a betting man I wouldn't bet on it but like you know there's just, like the Grizzlies did they, they weren't supposed to be um in the playing tournament i think it was in 2020 when they made yeah, in the bubble tournament. yeah 20 they weren't supposed to be there no um that was they beautiful. found a way to do it your lottery team yeah so like maybe that's us this year who knows but i, but I was gonna say i think we're gonna figure out like in that first 10 games if that's us we're gonna find out and like i think that's gonna help organization and the team kind of pivot if they need to like maybe we go from just rolling it out like if, let's say there's like a vet who's like really cheap maybe they go pick him up real quick and he'll help bolster our uh, playing playing aspirations, or maybe yeah. we, maybe we decide like, no, nah, let's go and get rid of Eric Gordon. Like, I I, th- I think we're gonna figure out very quickly the direction of this team this season. That that's true, and I think that that's a good way to look at it. Um, you know, I don't think it's discouraging at all if it is really rough to start out. Like you, I mean, these are tough opponents to start your season. Yeah, and so even if there could be some promising flashes, like even if you were two and eight out of these first two out of these first ten, I would be fine with that. It's obviously going to get smoother because this part is this first ten is rough. So, um, last question about this season specifically. Uh, I don't know if I want to word it as your ideal five or what you or what you hope the five is going. Yeah, we'll just ideal five to end the season in terms of starting group. The five that you guys hope that you hope are out there on a night-to-night basis. 
That's it's easy for me. Uh, KPJ, Jalen, Tari, Jabari, and Shingo. That's that's okay. my. That's my what I would five. imagine. I was just wondering if we were on the same page there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that if that's your five towards the end of the year, that means a lot of good things are happening in Houston, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So, totally with you there. Um, obviously, we know we talked about not to expect too much, but in the future going forward, there's no denying that this team has a very bright future. Um, even with this new Kevin Porter Jr. extension, you are still technically only locked into around $42 million next offseason. Now, that's obviously assuming you don't guarantee any of KPJ's money next year. But just saying what's literally locked in right now and what's projected to be locked in could even be less the following offseason. Now, considering that we're supposed to see a jump in the cap here soon, that's kind of ridiculous. That's all, that, yeah. that's all that you guys are locked into, considering the talent that you have as well to build around. Um, even if Kevin Porter Jr., even if all that's picked up, that's still more than half of, like, the cap sheet available. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some notable guys, in my opinion, that I wanted to throw out for fun. Uh, and maybe if you've got some on your own that aren't on this little short list, that you think could maybe be a rocket here in a year or two. Uh, the guys that I've thrown out that could be free agents uh, next offseason or the next in 2024, they could be restricted or unrestricted. Obviously, okay, I got to mention some of these guys could be extended today. Yeah. You don't know. It just depends. Like the first two on the list are DeAndre Hunter and Cam Johnson. They might both have an extension by the deadline today. Maybe one of them does. But those are the first two names. I've also got Jalen Brown on here. I think he's an intriguing name for the 2024 offseason. Um, DeJounte Murray, just because there will be – him and Jalen Brown are similar in the sense that there will never be an extension there because they're current contracts. And even 100 – Oh, they, they can't be extended? They can, but you can only be extended – the highest number could be like 120% of your current contract. And both of those guys are probably worth more than what 120% of their current number is. So DeJounte only makes like 16 to 18 million a year right now. So even 120% of that, the guy's probably worth more than that. And Jalen Brown makes like 23 million right now. And he's probably more of like a $35 million player. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So that's why there's no, there won't be an extension with either of those guys. They'll just end up being unrestricted free agents in 2024. Um, and then James Wiseman could be due for. I mean, even even in my opinion, if he were to have a good season for the Warriors this year, it's just still still such small sample size. Unless he just they probably don't have enough money to extend him either. Unless yeah, he's like yeah. I mean, super duper team friendly. I mean, the 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 tax bill is going to be insane depending on how many of these guys they keep. Um, I think they've already kind of made some intentions clear by extending Poole and Wiggins. Um, and then the last one was on Yeko Kongwu, just because the Hawks still have Clint Capella and kong has been pretty dang good whenever he plays. I'm high on Kongwu. Yeah, so. Do any of those names stick out to you as like, man, I really would be intrigued for the Rockets to look at those guys. Yeah, you you named three of them. Um, for sure, on Yoko Kongu, I think he is more of that prototypical five we were talking about um, earlier is somebody who I would think could be like the starting caliber center of our team. If not, I mean, I think he's a good bench piece. So, uh, yeah, definitely him. Um, Cam Johnson's another guy um, who I would think would be really good on this team. Although, like, I agree with you. I, I think Phoenix is going to find a way to keep him. Um, and then the biggest one, and this is the one I think unanimously amongst Rockets Twitter is Jalen Brown. I, yeah. I, I think that he he makes like the most sense. Um, he makes perfect sense on your team. Yeah, per, he fits perfectly. He fits like a glove. And and um, yeah, if he bro Jalen Brown and Jabari Smith on the wings, dude, 
It's crazy. But yeah, yeah, no, he would be the, somebody I think we would be willing to offer however much money he wants to. Um, he's he's not like, he's like 26, 27 now. He's, yeah, he's not he's, like old, old. But yeah, he's, he's not old, young. but he's, he, he would definitely be like the oldest guy on our team. Yeah. Um, outside of like Eric Gordon um, and maybe Jason Tate. But like, yeah, so he's not like old to where like giving him a max of like age back because like he's old. But like, no, he's, he's, he's young enough to where I could give him like a five-year max and he'd probably still be worth it in the fifth year. Um, and he like he he's not gonna fall defensive there, but like he doesn't he's not like all on the same timeline as our young court. Um, so yeah, like yeah, Taylor. If sorry to cut you off, but like no, you're good. But like, if, assuming you sign him in 2024, and all these guys are like a year, two years older, it could fit the timeline if they do make a jump a little bit earlier than expected. Or maybe when he's in the middle of that contract, he might take a slight fall. He still should be in his prime at that point, though. But, yeah. like, those guys are entering their prime. So that could fit very nicely. And I do think it's worth mentioning as well, you know, if somebody's listening to this that hasn't been a super avid NBA fan, but for, like, a year or two or even a few years now, Houston is not some, like, small market or some team that couldn't attract a free agent. I mean, this is definitely a market that can attract people there in free agency specifically. I mean, you talk about, like, we have the money to do it. We have the, like, the city. There's no state tax here. Houston's it's not like you're going to no offense to like Minnesota or like Indiana like kind of like in the middle of nowhere like this is a a major city I think we're like I think we're the fourth largest city in America I'm not 100 mm-hmm. sure but but somewhere in that like we're one of the, the largest cities it's, it's the weather's I mean it's hot but it's nice weather um and like you like I said we have the money for it um but I think most of all we have the assets to surround that free agent with better talent should should we not already have like let's let's say I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock on wood here and like speak positive and say like Jalen Green, KPJ Jabbar, you know, like these guys all hit to the level that we want them to. But like let's 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 speak worst case scenario that they don't. Um, like those like we have plenty of draft capital from the James Harden trade we still haven't really tapped into just yet, um, and we still have a lot of young pieces. Where like if I was if I was I I don't necessarily want Donovan Mitchell, but like let's just say like there's a Donovan Mitchell caliber player on a team like Utah that's looking to like blow it up. If I was Utah, I would definitely be interested in like a Josh Christopher or a, a Ty Ty Washington. Like those are guys who would pique my interest. Those guys who would pique my interest as far as um, trades go. Um, so yeah, I, I think that we're definitely should be one of, especially because you know, like a lot of these like LA, New York, Miami, like those teams are like capped. I, I think we should mm-hmm. definitely be at the top of a lot of free agents uh, destination lists. Yeah, totally. Um... And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that, like, with your cap situation, you could totally sign free agents and keep all the young guys that you have and continue to extend them without being in some crazy, like, luxury tax bill. Like, especially if you have a core you're really confident in at that point going into 2024 free agency, for instance, that's totally worth spending a little bit in luxury tax, like, for the future. So they're in great position. And even if they don't get a single free agent, if they do hit on some of these guys, then you have plenty of cap space to absolutely absorb all of these contracts and keep everybody in it. So, again, another win-win. I think this team's just been set up really well. It comes from a good GM. Your team matters from the way it starts up top. Um, so, you know, I I agree. I'm excited about the Rockets' future, and I, I'm sure you're excited as a fan. Yeah, this is this is a great time to be a Rockets fan. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I appreciate you again for coming on, but I want to end it with a few just fun rapid-fire questions before we wrap it up. Some to do with basketball, some not basketball at all. Okay. Um, first one for fun. Is Jalen Green the best player from the 2021 draft? 
Absolutely. Okay. Who will win the 2023 NBA championship? I'll say Philadelphia. Uh, I want to change hard to get one, so Philly. Okay. Um, who is your favorite Twitter follow? Uh, shout out uh, Rob Kimbell. I don't know. I don't know if you know who that is, but it's, it's uh-huh. a, another Rockets fan. I, I, I tell my shout out on, on the podcast. That's my favorite uh, Twitter account for sure. Okay. Um, will the Astros win the World Series? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, go to at Whataburger. Uh, sweet and spicy. That that's actually like a that was a really big talking point on on Rocket Twitter last year was the the best so sweet and spicy. Man, I we don't have Whataburger here in Tennessee, and so that's right. I get it any chance. I was at the beach a few weeks ago, and I got it because they have it down in Florida. I first off, I'd probably be fat if they had it here, <laughs> just considering that's how much good. I love it. Whenever I actually do get it, but it's it's a shame that we don't have it here in Tennessee. They actually that's okay. Right. Take that back. There's like one in Nashville now. But, I mean, that's like three hours away from me. And they just put one in Lebanon, which is about two hours away. But I just don't have one that's convenient to me. <laughs> yeah. um, and I have to ask this because Houston native, he's my favorite artist. Favorite Travis Scott song and favorite Travis Scott album? Oh, I, I love Travis Scott. So uh, I'm going to say one that I, you probably won't hear often. Backyard is my favorite Travis Scott love song. Backyard. Yeah, it's my favorite Travis Scott. It's my favorite song ever. Um, and favorite album is Rodeo. Rodeo's good. I think I'm an Astro guy, though. I, yeah. I think no, they're both great albums. They they are. Um, he's he's my favorite artist, and so you being Houston had to ask. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm a huge Travis Scott fan. Yeah. Um, but Will, really appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can even do this again in the future sometime. Yeah. Um, but I'll definitely be connected with you on Twitter. But thanks again, man. Appreciate you for having me. Like I said, this was, this was fun. I was looking forward to doing this, so uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we'll see how the Rockets do this year. With that being said, this is the end of episode 29 of the Coast to Coast podcast. Appreciate y'all tuning in.